Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. All right, so we are finished up a series. If you're our guest here, thanks for coming. You're, you're catching us on the end of a series called Recalculate, and it's been important to us to kind of recalculate our core values as a church towards where we are in this time and history and place and culture and in our world right now. And it's not that we're changing our core values. That's not it at all. We're just adjusting them towards where we are right now. And so this is week four. We've done the first three these past three weeks. Um, the first week, Patrick and Caleb started us off. And then these last couple of weeks, Pastor Bobby's been finishing us up in this series. And so I'm going to catch you up real quick. If you haven't been here for the past few weeks or if you missed one, here's all of them in a nutshell. All right. Week one, we talked about that we surrender to God's word and its life changing power. Justin just kind of said it. We can sing songs, music moves us, it gathers us together, but without the truths of God's word and his character and who he is, it really wouldn't mean that much. We can just go to a concert somewhere else. But we want to speak and sing and talk about the truths of God's word and how it impacts our lives, that it's our standard for all that we do. So we surrender to it. I have to surrender to it. You have to surrender to it. As Christians, we look at the Bible and go, what does it tell us to do? That was week one. Then week two, we talked about that we love our neighbors and welcome them home. And it simply talked about there how we can love each other and love our neighbors. And we even talked about that week about how much um, Jesus expanded our ideas of who our neighbor is, that we aren't always just think of the people who we like, who live next door to us, who look like us, who act like us, who talk like us, but that Jesus kind of opened that door up to lots and lots of people. Really, anybody's welcome into God's love, and especially those who consider themselves to be imperfect, those who know they don't have it all together. In fact, we talk about how we want to be a church, the perfect church for imperfect people. And so we talked about love and how we welcome our neighbors home. And then last week we talked about, we encourage each other to take next steps. At Journey, we define a next step as anything that brings you or someone else closer to Jesus. Hopefully you've heard this enough that you can almost repeat all of this back to me. That's kind of the point of all of this, that why we do it this way. But we want to encourage people to take next steps. Churches in general have a good job of guilting or shaming, right? We, we almost take classes in it and how to guilt you into doing something or shaming you or telling you that God maybe doesn't love you as much. That's terrible. That's awful. We don't want to do that. We want to encourage you to take next steps. We know that these things can be good for you, that they're good for your lives. They're good for our lives. They impact our community in great ways. And we want to encourage those things for you. We don't want to make you do them. We just want to let you know how good it is when we do the good things, the next steps, those things that bring us and someone else closer to Jesus. And so this week, we're going to finish up with we practice. If these words seem familiar to you, you saw them on your way in, you see them on our wall outside. We think about these things, talk about these things all the time. And so this one says this, we practice extravagant generosity for the sake of the kingdom. We practice extravagant generosity for the sake of the kingdom. Now, Pastor Bobby's gonna come up in a couple of minutes and talk to us about the kingdom and how we live in the kingdom, we do things influence for the kingdom, how we want to invest our lives into the kingdom. I wanna take a couple of minutes for us to talk about two of those phrases in that one. And the first one is this, practice. We're talking about practice, as Alan Iverson famously said a few years ago, talking about practice. 
Practice is something, not, most of y'all did not get that reference at all, did you? Who got that reference? Maybe, okay, okay, you said nod with me, thank you. Y'all are be like, what? All right, so practice. Practice is something that we want us to be about. It's a habit, it's a discipline, right? It's a spiritual thing that we can do to help us. It takes what we know in our heads and believe in our hearts, and it puts it into our hands and our feet, and we go do something with it. That's what practice is. That's what we're talking about. Now, when we talk about practice, we're talking about, well, I want to give you two caveats to the ideas of practice. The first one is this. We are not practicing these things because we're trying to earn our way towards God. We are practicing these things because we're already in a position as Christians in a relationship with Jesus. We're forgiven. We're loved. We're at peace. And we practice from that position not to it. Does that make sense? Let me repeat it. We don't practice these things that go, and you'll be a Christian if you do these practices. God will love you more because you do these practices. We do not believe that. We believe that we do these things because we're already in relationship with Jesus. So we practice that. That's the first caveat. The second caveat is this. Jesus showed us a lot of these practices in scripture. We see in his three and a half years of ministry, him doing a lot of things that we kind of go, you know what? If Jesus did it, we probably should do the same thing. And so we see some of these, but how we do them is just as important. And in fact, how we do them really depends on who you are, how God wired you, kind of what, where you live, your cultural, how you do certain things. That's really what we want to talk about because when it comes down to things like reading your Bible, praying, um, serving, community, all these kind of things that we believe is important, as Christians, these prices are important. How you do them really is up to you and how God's wired you, the house he, he's put you in, the family he's put you in. Those things are what matter for you. We don't believe in kind of in a one size fits all. You have to read your Bible this way for this long in this translation um, for this many minutes and you have to study this, these books in this order, right? We don't say you gotta pray for one minute or three minutes or 20 minutes or two hours or anything. We don't have any of that. We don't say you gotta pray outside or inside man, pray where God's called you, pray where God puts you, right? Be in a relationship with him. When we talk about practice, what we mean is, man, just get it out of your head and out of just your heart and put it into your hands and your feet. Practice. We want to practice these things. We got to do them. So that's the first word. In fact, we look at this behind because we believe Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 tells us this, for we are God's workmanship, we're his masterpiece, Right? created and new in Christ Jesus, right? So that we can do the good works that he's prepared for us in advance to do. We are God's workmanship. You're his masterpiece. He's made you unique, individual, important, and he wants you to do good works. That's why we practice these things, all right? The next word is extravagant generosity. Now, this is the fun stuff because as pastors, man, we love to talk about extravagant generosity. We want you to give that stuff, you know, that we're going to talk about in a minute because as pastors, we really, really want, need you to give extravagantly, right? No, we'll get to that in a second. But we want to talk about how it's important for us to define these words extravagant and these words generosity so that we understand what's going on. So here's what it says. Here's let's define these words. We're on the same page. Extravagant means lacking restraint in using resources, spending much more than is necessary. For a lot of times, we just simply say, man, we want to go above and beyond. We want to go above and beyond what is normal. So here are some things that you can be extravagant in. You ready? Love. Week two, we talked about being, 
We love our neighbors and welcome home. I mean, how much would it be if we were, if people said about us, man, they're extravagant in their love for others. How about mercy? We sang about these a few minutes ago in, the, in that second song we were doing with Justin was leading us. What if people said, man, they're really merciful over there. They don't give what we deserve. They're very merciful. Grace, encouragement. Man, are you known as an encourager? I don't know if I am. I try to work at that. In fact, a couple of years ago, I met with one of our guys in our church who everyone in our community knows such an encourager. I say, man, how do you do it? Like, how, do you, how are you so good at encouraging? He's like, I don't know, man, I just kind of do it. I'm like, that doesn't help me at all. Give me some help, but I'm not, I, got, I got to work at that. We can be extravagant in our service. And lastly, we can be extravagant in our resources. Here's what Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. All right, here's what he says. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be, should be in God, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous, there's a word we're talking about, to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. That's what Paul tells us. And so for the last couple of minutes, all I wanna do is talk about four areas where we can uh, be extravagant in our generosity. We can be generous people. And uh, Patrick would be proud of me because all four of these start with the letter T, all right? First one is this, time. You can be extravagant with your time. You can give towards others your time. You don't know how sometimes important that is. Just giving up your time, just slowing down long enough to be with someone, to be present with someone. In a lot of ways, that's better than any gift you could give them is just to be with them. But we're so busy, we're always so busy. In fact, I was just thinking yesterday as we were driving home from Atlanta, man, these last couple of weeks have been crazy. And these next couple of weeks are gonna be even crazier. Time is so important. But if you give of your time to others and help them, you, you don't realize how much that can do. But so many times we're like, I'm just, I'm just too busy. I can't help here. I can't help there. I can't help at church. I can't help my neighbor. I can't help anything because I'm just too busy. Slow down. Figure the time out. Help others. The second one is this, talent. Like we said a minute ago, Ephesians 2.10, we believe God made each of us in particular ways and special ways to use our talents, right? And we wanna use those talents for the kingdom. And sometimes those things happen inside of church. We have all places where you can use all kinds of talents. But in many ways, you can use those talents outside of church. In fact, we'll do a little experiment. How many of you work here at the church? Like, okay, how many of you literally have a job here at the church? Not many of you, right? You have to use your talents outside the church. The gifts you've been given to build the kingdom of God up outside the church. You're needed. God wants to use you in those situations. He doesn't give us talents only to be used in church, which I know that sounds weird for us, the church people will be saying that. 
but he doesn't use them just for this area. He wants your talents to be used all the, to bring his kingdom into places that it's not. To bring his ideas and his love for others to them because you're using your talents outside the church. The next one is kind of weird, but we tried to, I've tried to bring this in to be more important, is your talk. The words you say, the words you type, right? So many say in age, everyone knows what everyone's thinking by how you type and what you put out there in social media. Are those things bringing honor to God? Are those things drawing people closer to Jesus? Or are they just you spouting off what you believe and what's your opinion about as something? If you want to practice your talk, here's a little one today. Many of you will probably go out to eat today at some point, right? It's kind of what you do after church. Just be aware of how you talk to your server. As your mama told you, use your manners. Because I don't know if you realize this, but us Christians don't have the best stereotype uh, for, after, for servers wanting to serve on Sundays. They don't go, yes, the church people are coming. That doesn't happen very often. But we can change that by the way we talk, by the way we act, by the way we are extravagant in our generosity. And then the last one is treasures. We do have to talk about money. Jesus talked about money. In fact, Jesus talked about money a lot. And so I, I don't like it. I'll surrender now to God's word and teaching about it, right? So here's what he says in Matthew chapter 16. Uh, he says that where our hearts are, or where our treasures are, there our hearts will be also. So the idea of extravagant generosity is God's after our hearts with our money. I'm not, a, I'm not after your money. God's after your heart. And many times our hearts either go for God or they go for money. And if we go a little bit deeper, those of us who have a good amount of money makes it even harder. The more money we have, the more we almost want to hold on to it because we think it will be there. The verses we read a few minutes ago, it said that it's so unreliable that we should do good, be rich with our money. And so we have to do this. We have to let go and allow God to do it. I remember watching videos on YouTube of um, social experiences where people gave uh, homeless people um, money or a pizza or something and how much they just shared it immediately. They put no security in the things of this world. But those of us, if we get something, we go, oh, I need to hold on to this. I, I, I need to, the guy gave this to me, I need to hold on to it. When really he's calling us to be extravagant. He's calling us to do these things. And so in all this, we practice, not because we're trying to earn our way towards God, not because we want God to love us more. We practice this so that we watch God's kingdom come. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that you have done all this for us. You've been extravagant in your generosity towards us. And so God, from there, we want to be extravagant towards others. God, help us practice those things. In your name we pray, amen. So first of all, we wanna welcome our Sherwood campus in. Why don't you give it up for our Sherwood campus? So down at Sherwood, Keith uh, was talking to you guys uh, about this concept of extravagant generosity here Obviously, on the, uh, this campus, Alan was talking about it. But every day, I walk through this building, and every day, I uh, read those signs, the same signs that you get to see. And I haven't noticed it until this last couple of weeks. Um, I knew we were doing this series. I knew we were recalculating a little bit. Um, but there's this one little part of that that just says something some, that I've never noticed. And it's not that it's always been there, but it says, for the sake of the kingdom, 
And I started thinking, we invest our lives in a lot of things, right? We invest our lives in, in, in our workplace, in our kids' hobby, all that stuff. But the real benefits come to us when we invest our lives in the kingdom and in, 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 in what God wants to do. I, today, I want to talk just for a couple minutes, 15 or 20 minutes. I want to talk about this concept of our investment in the kingdom. And I want to talk about exponential returns for a second, okay? So I'm going to do a little test. If I was to say to you back in 19, how many people were born uh, before 1997? Raise your hand real fast, okay? Uh, there's going to be, a, so before 1997, okay, good. If I was to say, I need $1,000 from you, and I need you to, uh, just to trust me, I'm going to invest $1,000 in a company. They're, they haven't started yet, but there's going to be a company that's going to drop stuff at your house, literally days after you order that online. How many people would give me $1,000 to do that? Nobody. Oh, okay. Stupid. You'd be a bazillionaire right now. That company's Amazon. If you would have given me $1,000, I could have turned that into over well over a million dollars that fast. How about this? If I told you there's going to be a place that you can watch on your TV that you'll have every movie at your disposal, like you can just click, and then they're going to have all their own things that go on. All I need is $1,000. This was in 2002. How many people would have given me $1,000? No, because we only had three channels in 1997, and the remote was you, right? Netflix, millionaires. We would have done that thing. If I would have told you, you give me $100, $100, and I'm going to invest in uh, 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 something that you've never heard of before, but I'm going to make you a guarantee that if you give me $100, uh, it, it's worth $48 million right now. How many people would do it? Bitcoin. Could you imagine that? And that's the power of exponential returns. That's the power of the investment. And I find these articles when I read these things absolutely amazing because if you look at scripture, Jesus talks about exponential growth all the time. Not with money though, with our lives. He said, when we invest our lives in something that's bigger than us, the kingdom, there's an exponential return that comes back to us. He who began a good work is able to complete it. Neither, you know, he, and he says, he literally says, not I hath not seen or he hurt or entered the hearts of men what God has in store, exponential growth. He was re referring to the investment of our lives in this thing called the kingdom. So um, there's three scriptures. I got a little homework for you to do. Alan's already mentioned one of them. Here's, here's Psalms 90 verse 12. And this is Moses writing. A lot of people think it's David writing. It's Moses writing it. Moses was one of the authors. There's several different authors. But 90, verse 90, he says, teach us to number our days are right that we would gain a heart of wisdom, meaning make the most of our lives. And here's a real question. Are you making the most of your life? Are you doing what God wants you to do every day? And if you are, there's gonna be an exponential return of that. Acts 13, 36, it's the second one part of your project. This is about David. And it says, when David accomplished his task in this generation, then he fell asleep, okay? Meaning this, when he was done doing what he was supposed to do on this side of eternity, God took him home. How many people would love to have that as their epitaph when somebody's standing at their funeral? Like, I'd love to hear, Bobby completed his task and then he fell asleep. That would be great, right? And Ephesians uh, 2, um, I think it's verse 20, it says, for we are God's workmanship created to do good works in Christ. These are all talking about this, this investment of our lives into something that's bigger than us. So here's the first question I want to uh, kind of answer. Uh, let's answer, and maybe the most important one for today. What is the kingdom of God? Okay, I literally walked around my office this past week asking people questions. When I say this phrase, what is the kingdom of God? What do you think about? And 
much to my surprise, though we had a gazillion answers, I'm not sure any of them were really kind of like, we couldn't, like a working example of what it was. So I worked on it real hard. I had lots of people around me, but this is what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is, okay? So lots of people think the kingdom of God is is maybe a governmental uh, situation. Like if we get the right government in place under God, that that's gonna be, that's, that's not the kingdom. Do you know some people think that the kingdom of God is this right here? And though we are part of the kingdom of God, let me let you know on a secret. This is not the kingdom of God. We're one part. We're the little K in the big K. We're the, you know, like we're just one part of the process. So the kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is, wherever he is at work, you will find the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God refers to God's reign over all of the earth, over all of creation and over all of time. That's the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. This is what's being asked by religious leaders because they wanted to know, because you remember when Jesus came in, uh, remember we were we, a couple uh, weeks ago, we talked about Palm Sunday and Palm Sunday is when they threw palm branches, Hosanna, Hosanna. The, the expectation they had was a kingdom. It was a kingdom on earth that he was gonna rule and reign on this side. And they didn't get it because a couple of days later, he ended up getting crucified and all of their thoughts about this earthly kingdom were kind of uh, thrown up in smoke. So they're again asking, being asked by the Pharisees, religious leaders, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that you can observe, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's right where you're at right now. It's where you're dwelling, where the Bible says this, where two or three are gathered in his name. He's right there in the midst. So that's the kingdom of God. Jesus was asked about this. In Luke chapter 13, this is where we're going to land for just a couple minutes. And it says, he said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And what shall I compare it to? So really important. This is verse 19. You guys got to get this. We're going to break this down. We're going to spend a few minutes. It is like a grain of mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden and grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air made a nest in its branches. And everybody is in this room is going, what? What are you talking about? Well, let me break this down because it's really, really powerful. The first thing is your kingdom investment, I get this from this pastor, your kingdom investment, whatever you're investing, your time, talent, treasures, whatever it is, your kingdom investment starts right where you are. And, and I love, he didn't go, he didn't go to another country. He didn't take that seed and he played it another side. He put it right in his backyard. And then you're going, well, what's the big deal with that? The big deal is a mustard seed is not an herb crop. It's not something you put in your little garden. My wife grows uh, garden stuff, but they're all in pots. You couldn't grow a mustard. But when the mustard seed is done growing, it's a nine foot tree. And so he, he literally, he had to put it in his, in his back. And you know what that says to me? It says that he had big dreams and big ideas that he knew that this plant was gonna go, but he was casting his lot. He was casting that seed right there. And so many times, you know what happens? We're wanting to cast our seed. Oh, God, if you ever would call me to Africa. Or if you ever called me to Haiti, or if you ever called, and God's saying, I'm calling you to Evans. I'm calling you to, one of my the most powerful stories is found in, I think it's Acts chapter six. And, and I don't even have, I, if I'm wrong on this, just send me an email and I'll get it right later. But it's a story, and we talked about this. Paul and, and I, Saul, right? Saul on Damascus Road, he was knocked off the horse and he was blind. And, and, and there was this charge by this angel of the Lord for Ananias to tell Paul or Saul at that time, his name hadn't been changed, to tell Saul about Jesus. And, and this is what he says to him. He says, just go down to Straight Street. And if you do a little kind of uh, investigation, it was literally just go around the corner. 
And so many of us are looking to plant our seed. This, we think the kingdom is like, oh, I'm finally going to do kingdom work. And we're going to go way over here. And God's going, how about the person at Walmart? How about the person that you talk to every day of the week? That's, what, that's the investment in our lives. He wants us to plant the seed in the people right around us. The people, a lot of times that we, so my pastor used to say this all the time. So everybody, I, pastors have pastors. Marty Baker is my pastor. And one of the things he used to say all the time, ministry flows out of relationships. Every ministry flows out of relationships. And what we do is we go overseas and we expect to have some type of impact. It's not until you have a relationship. Well, who do I have relationships with? People right in my backyard, people right around here. It's like this, start, I'm gonna say it this way, start where you're at and then watch God grow it. Anybody ever hear of a company called Google? A couple people, anybody? You probably used it this morning to, you know, look up whatever. Google, you know where Google started at? I would have thought they would have been this national, you know, this in a guy's garage. Literally had to pull his car out and, and set up tables to start his, start his search engine business. He started right where he was at. He didn't wait for, you know, a, a national exposure or a big signing day. He literally started right where he was at. Luke chapter 13, verse 19 in the uh, NASV. A mustard seed, small little mustard seed, which a man took and he threw into his own garden. I love the throwing part. It's almost like he didn't, he was like, you know what I'm talking about? Almost like this, like man, this regret through, he threw it. And you know what I thought about? 19 years ago, there was 20 people that decided to throw some mustard seeds out. 19 years ago, they, 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 didn't, they didn't just like, we're gonna do this. We had no money, we had no money. And we rented a little cottage over there at Farmington. And then we had no money and we, we decided to try to rent Lewiston Elementary School. And we had no money. We still had no money. And we decided to go to Patriots Park. In 2008, we had no money. We had three or 400 people and God supernaturally gave us enough that we could throw our seed out and we bought this place. And I was thinking about this. I, I, I literally wrote this all down because in, in 19 short years, Journey Community Church, you, okay, not that, you have baptized over 1,500 people in 19 years thousands upon thousands of people have asked Jesus Christ to be their savior. It blows me away. If you're down at the Sherwood campus, you are part of our dream. You're part of a dream that God gave us 19 years ago to have multiple campuses. God, 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 we give God all the favor of the Lord, right? But it's because people are throwing their seed out. 10 years ago, we're going to celebrate in, um, in August. 10 years ago, there was a couple of people that had a dream for a thing called CR, Celebrate Recovery. 10 years ago, they threw a seed out and now 30, 40, 50 people every week are coming to this place for recovery. That's because somebody threw a seed out. Children, whatever it is, it's somebody threw a seed out right where they were. And watch what God did. It happens all the time. The second thing is this. Your kingdom investment requires constant and uh, our consistent and constant intention. Um, I, I was reading this story and it was really cool. It was about a guy that, that was selling soap, okay? So he was selling soap and the soap business got bad because everybody was selling soap. So he started selling baking soda. Well, how many people use baking soda? We throw baking soda away now, right? But it used to really have a purpose. We, we put it in our refrigerator and all that. So what he used to do is he used to put a stick of gum, like he used to make gum and he put a stick of gum as a free prize for everybody that bought baking soda, okay? Um, he started this business with $32, but you know what he did? Every day he walked and, and went to business in baking soda and gum. You know what it is now? Wrigley's. Juicy fruit. How many people like juicy fruit? Come on. Flavor profile of juicy fruit. This is a, 
A trivia question. None. No, it's pineapple. That's their, that's their flavor profile. How about this? Anybody know, if I say the name Phil Knight, anybody know that name? Yes, you do. You probably got their shoes on right now. If you're wearing Nikes, you have them on. And you know how he got started? In the back of his trunk of his car. He would go from mall to mall to mall, and he would sell Nike shoes. Now he's a bazillionaire. But you know what he did every day? He cultivated it. Every day he did a little bit of work. He scratched. He didn't ever, he didn't wait for that national signing day. He was doing what he was doing every day of the week. What would happen if we did that with the seed that we're planting? If every day we cultivated around that? One of the things that I, and it's, it's interesting to me because I watch Gina all the time. She's got all these plants out back. And over the last six or eight months, we have put plants everywhere. Um, and, and, you know, I shared about the armadillos before. Now we have deer problem. I know how to handle deer. They eat good. But every day she goes out and she waters and she plants, she takes the thing. She cultivates so we can get tomatoes and, and peppers and, you know, have rose bushes and all that. It takes a lot of work. See, it begins with the smallest seed. And when you cultivate it, you know what happens? It grows to be big. Uh, Matthew chapter 17, 20 says this. He said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, you have faith of the, uh, like a grain of mustard seed. Something all, You can move mountains with that little, that little, that just little, little mustard seed. We can change the world. We can do it. And he says, move from here to there and it will, be, it will move and nothing will be impossible. Anybody ever started a fire? Not like, I mean, intentionally started a fire. So, did you ever see, I was watching, what's that guy's name? Bear, Bear Gillis? Bear, Bear, like, I love those. Like, and like, you know, he's eating poop and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know why he does that. Like, it, surely there's a, like a helicopter can take him to Circle K and get him a, but do you ever see how they have those, anybody camp? Anybody camp? So they have those things, they go, and, and they put it on some, like some twigs and whatever. And, it's, and then all of a sudden he's got this blazing, you know, it just took a spark in our lives. You want to know something? If you want to see fruit in your life, if you want to have a big investment, start with that right there and watch what God does. Start with just, just a little small, a small spark. Watch what God, God can change the world with just a spark. If we're willing to invest in something that's bigger than us, see, here's what I'll, I'll say. You pay attention to what's important to you. If it's not important, you don't pay attention to it. If your health's not important, you don't pay attention to it. If your finances aren't important, you don't pay attention to it. But if they are important, you know what you do? You pay attention to them. It's one of those deals, the same thing with our investment in, in the world that we live in. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, 21 says it like this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever's important to you, you're going to invest your time and your resources and your talents and your talk and all that other stuff you're going to invest in. It should be the kingdom of God. And so we are able to see this exponential kingdom growth in our lives when we make a habit of cultivating these things. Let me give you the third thing. This is the next two real quick. The kingdom, your kingdom investment is intended to help others. Now, as you're reading that passage with me in verse 19, it says, like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed, his, uh, sowed in his garden and grew and became a tree and the birds of the air made a nest in its branches. You know what that means? That, that, that the farmer didn't just put, plant a seed and wait for the stuff to grow and have a great mustard sandwich. It wasn't just for him that he knew that the birds of the air, he knew that the other, the critters around, that they were getting shade and all that kind of stuff. And in our lives, with our, with our investment, we need to realize that God put us on this earth for others. Jesus said the greatest demonstration, he washed disciples' feet and he said, do this to other people. And so when Jesus tells us about our investment in the kingdom, we need to be reminded it's not for us, it's for other people that they can grow closer. We talked about it last week. A next step is what? 
Anything that brings you or someone else closer to God. And so that's what a next step is in our lives. Whatever God's plan for your life, you can be sure of this. It involves serving others, to minister to others, providing for others, being there for others. It's interesting. One of the, I was sharing this with our team yesterday. We had, we had a, a funeral service we had to do here yesterday. But let me back up. We had, a, we had a funeral service yesterday that we had the privilege of doing yesterday. Okay, let me say it that way. And I remember saying to, I think it was Tina and, and April, and um, we, we probably had 350 or 400 people here yesterday. And the majority of them were young people under the age of 25. And just unfortunately in our culture today, lots of those people don't know who Jesus is. And so I said, I, I said to Tracy, I pulled him aside, I said, listen, we get to share the gospel. We get to share the gospel with all these people that never heard, heard about Jesus. And Tracy was sitting over there when I was on the stage and I was wrapping it up. And I looked out and I, I could tell that there was, and Tracy said, you had everybody sitting on the edge of your seat with the gospel. When you shared the gospel story about who Jesus was and asked them if they were okay with God, you had them right on the edge of their seat. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't wanna do the funeral. I'll be honest with you. Funerals are hard. They're, they're taxing. Emotionally, they're draining. And I got up here and I was, I, I, I hate to even say it, sometimes I have a bad attitude. Anybody? Am I the only one? Well, we're going to start just a group of one. <laughs> but I have a bad attitude. Like, man, this, this, this Saturday, take my whole, and I'm thinking, we get to minister to people. We get to plant our seed. Or you know something? If it wasn't for that, some of those kids, I call them kids, would have never heard the gospel. Let me give you the last thing. We're going to close right here. Make your kingdom investment. Uh, make sure your kingdom investment is being invested in the kingdom. You're going, Bobby, what are you talking about? There's lots of people that think they're investing in something that's bigger than them, but it's not the kingdom. And it's like this. Remember I asked you if you would have, if I would have asked you for $1,000? So a $10,000 investment years ago, 1999, in a company called Enron. Do you know what that investment brings back to you right now? Nothing. Zero. And they thought they were investing in something important. And that's why I would tell you, check everything you do through the Holy Spirit, through your small group, through maybe somebody that you trust. Because there's lots of people out there that are saying they're kingdom. And that's why I say this all the time. We're not the only show in town, but I can promise you, when people invest here, we know what it's going toward. I can't say that about everybody that knocks on my door or sends me an email. But I can tell you, if you invest your time here, we're gonna value your time. One of the things that Alan does so well, I don't know where Alan went, I was gonna brag on him. I know that every week he does this. He walks around to almost every volunteer and says, thank you for serving. Thank you for serving, thank you. You know why? Because we get a benefit out of it. We get to be a part of the kingdom. They get, they get a benefit, but we get a benefit. Matthew chapter 6, 19 has become one of those passages that says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. That's powerful right there. We need to be investing in something that's bigger, something that's gonna last. You may be investing in kids around here, you're investing in eternity. You may be investing in high school students. I got the privilege of being up here with a bunch of high school students uh, this past week and celebrate graduation. 
And I watched a lot of those kids from the time they were this big, well, you invested. They're doing what God's called them to do because you did what God called you to do. Investing your resources, your time, your talents, your treasures, your passions into the kingdom for all eternity. Let's wrap up this series. We talked about surrendering to God's word and its life-changing power. How are you doing today? Do you need a personal recalculation? Is God the source of everything for you? Is it the standard that you live your life by? Joshua says, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. So do you need a recalculation? How about loving our neighbors and welcoming them home? Do you need a recalculation of just who your neighbors are? Or maybe, maybe, maybe you've been loving all this other stuff and you're not loving something that can love you back. That was one of the things that I said. Are you loving what can love you back? How about encouraging each other? Are you taking people with you wherever you go, whatever your next step is? Next step is anything that you brings you or someone else closer to Jesus. Are you doing that? You need a recalculation. And today, about to practice extravagant generosity for the sake of the kingdom. Not so I can be seen, not so somebody can say thanks, high five, not so I walk around here and you know I shed my guilt by doing something at church because then you got your reward. But are you doing what you're doing, what you're called to do for the sake of the kingdom? So Jesus will be made famous, amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, I thank you for this moment. And it was interesting, even this past week, God, I watched so many things on Facebook and just Instagram and all that of just the way the world sees the church and all the negative and just the silliness that goes on in churches. I started this off in week two and I said, if there's ever been a course, a moment in the course of time that we need a recalculation of the church, it's right now. And God, I pray that you, it would start with me. That God, areas that I have been off Maybe it's just one degree now that down the road is really going to impact us. I pray, God, that you would get us back on course. God, and the biggest recalculation is, it goes back to week one and something that Patrick said, that when we trust and surrender to God's word, we do everything differently. And God, the one thing we do have to, we have to do differently is we have to understand who you are and the place that you have in our lives, that we would make you number one in everything. I'm praying that that's happening. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.